0: Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 802. Today on Cars Yeah, we're celebrating the Pittsburgh Vintage Grand Prix that takes place July 7th through the 15th, featuring a week of automotive fun, including races, car shows, black tie galas, tours, rallies, and much, much more. To learn more about this fantastic
1: event, go to pvgp.org. Just uh, keep the pedal to the metal and um, and stay alert.
0: Hello automotive enthusiasts! I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Ted Sawyer. Hey Ted, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am absolutely, I'm with you. All right, great to have you here. Ted Sawyer is a member of the Pittsburgh Vintage Grand Prix Executive Committee. It's an annual event, now in its 35th year, that takes place July 7th through the 15th. He's a retired career broadcaster in radio and television, who's also a lifelong automotive enthusiast. Ted began competing in SCCA autocross and moved into road racing, earning a national license and winning several minor championships in the Northeast, driving a showroom stock B Chevy Citation all the way back into the 80s. Ted got involved with the PVGP at the beginning, 35 years ago, to help run the race as an announcer. And today he's the event's chief announcer. He and his huge team helped make this event a reality, and they raise monies for local charities. The Pittsburgh Vintage Grand Prix is a 10-plus-day event of automotive car shows, racing rallies, tours, and much, much more. So, Ted, I've told our listeners just a tiny bit about you. Would you take a brief moment, share a little bit more about your career, the Pittsburgh Vintage Grand Prix, and, of course, your passion for automobiles?
1: Yeah, thanks very much. Thanks uh, thanks for the invitation. That's great to join you. You're welcome. I'm one of those lifelong car nuts. My dad would take me to car races and hill climbs when I was a kid. I remember going to Watkins Glen. I grew up in the Philadelphia area, and and dad would take me to races at Cumberland, Maryland, and Watkins Glen. So when I got into SCCA amateur road racing, it was just such a thrill to go back and race. I guess the only circuit that I raced on again that I had visited as a child uh, was at Watkins Glen. It was just such a thrill to race there and race throughout uh, the uh, mid-Atlantic region for a few years until I realized that uh, it was really costing me more money than I... <laughs> it can get that way, <laughs> yeah, than I could afford, but it can get that way. But uh, yeah, career broadcaster both in uh, Philadelphia and then in the last uh, 30 or 40 years uh, in uh, here in Pittsburgh doing radio and television, but continued to be involved in motorsports and in autocross, as you mentioned, and uh, SCCA amateur road racing, and then after I stopped racing, continued as a race announcer, as a you know, as an on-air person in, in broadcasting. It was a natural to sit in the commentary booth at uh, at racetracks, and did that for many many years. And then when the crazy idea came along to hold some uh, vintage car races in Pittsburgh's gorgeous Shenley Park the organizing group turned to the local branch of the Sports Car Club of America that's the Steel Cities region here in Pittsburgh too okay great to run, run the races and that's how a bunch of us from SCCA uh, began to put these uh, vintage car races on
0: well, it's a spectacular event. I had Bernie Martin on the show a couple of days ago. I've got several other people involved in this event coming up here on Cars yeah, as guests. This sounds like an incredible week of, I mean, it's its an overwhelming number of events, from car shows to rallies and tours and events and racing and so forth. And I think it's so great that you've been able to bring your expertise into the fold. But the fact that you've been involved since the beginning is absolutely spectacular. And I'll let our listeners know that we had a great little pre-show chat I did with Ted here he's 71 years old still rides a motorcycle still tours he still gets out there and loves to have fun on two wheels four wheels whatever so we're gonna learn a lot more a lot more about you Ted as we move through your life's journey but first I always like to ask my guests for a success quote or a mantra this is a nice way to get those inspirational tires turning here on cars yeah so
1: Ted take the wheel An inspirational mantra. Well, I guess uh, uh, I I think back to an SCCA, my first uh, SCCA uh, driver's school, when I thought I was, you know, I think every young driver thinks, you know, I am a really fast driver. (laughs) And I'm going to whip through this school and I'm going to impress everybody. And I remember going really, really fast and having uh, the first uh, of the of the uh, sessions, the coaching sessions. And the instructor comes and tells us you know what we can do better and remember being told uh, that uh, uh, when you're when you think you're as fast as you possibly can you're not even close to the speed you need to go <laughs> that uh, you can there's always more in the can and when you begin to scare yourself you're still not going fast enough and i really thought at the time and this has been f- 30 years that the advice you know that When you kind of self-edit, you know, yourself, you kind of uh, tell yourself, this is as far as I can go or this is as much as I could possibly do. There's a lot more, a lot more potential left uh, in there, whether you're, uh, you know, on a racetrack or doing anything else. You know, don't sell yourself short. There's lots more to come.
0: Absolutely. I've had many racers on this show, professional racers, amateur racers, vintage racers of all different kinds, even had a guest on the show that is setting a world speed record and he's blind on a motorcycle. So if you think you have limits... You're wrong. There's always another level to get to. But having a right coach, uh, having people around you that can help guide you and so forth, and having those ears work more than your mouth is usually the key to that, right? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, how have you incorporated that concept into what you're doing there with the Pittsburgh Vintage Grand Prix, the idea that there's always a little more there to be had?
1: Well, you know, I think back to uh, those first planning sessions before we did the first event uh, back in early 1983, uh, you know, it was all blue sky stuff. You know, could we possibly do this? Would this work? Would the city let us do this? Could we actually run a safe event? Could we create a safe racetrack in a city park? All those things, you know, when you thought about them one at a time, you thought, geez, these are just too many challenges. I don't really think we can do that. But if you sit down and, you know, and apply yourself and work at it, you can make it work as we did that first year it was a one-day event that first year it was on labor day weekend well this year it's our 35th uh, annual event <laughs> wow and it's, it's it's more than two weeks long and it's just full of all kinds of events and shows and a a black tie event and and another special thing at a at an airport jet center nearby and yeah and, uh, autocross and uh, just all kinds of things in and out of the city that, uh, you know, you can just keep going. You can just keep pushing, just keep working, just keep getting more folks involved and using more expertise to uh, move forward. And this thing has moved forward incredibly.
0: Well, and I understand when I spoke with Bernie, there's over a thousand volunteers that help with this event. So it's putting on these kinds of events, when you go and attend them, you think, oh, this didn't look so hard. Well, (laughs) <laughs> Try to get involved. Oh my gosh. Well, I, I'm really, really amazed and uh honored to have you guys on the show here because I understand what it takes to put these kinds of things on. I've talked to so many people. It is a huge, huge endeavor, but we're so happy you do it because for those of us enthusiasts that attend shows like this, it is just a it's a dream come true. So very cool. Well, let's go back in time and talk about a story that instigated your passion for cars. I'm maybe go way, way back here. And tell us about that pivotal moment when you knew that you were indeed a car guy.
1: Well, it's funny, as I mentioned, my dad was a, was a car nut, and, uh, but he never really invested himself in it. I mean, he was always a, a person who would go and look, but never was involved. And I, I thought, you know, why, if you, if you see something that you love, why not just, you know, jump in all the way? And I think, as a you know, as a as a child of the Depression, he was just uh, a, a bit reserved uh, when it come to that. Well, right. I wasn't a child of the Depression. I was a child who gr- grew up uh, around uh, a guy who loved sports cars and racing. And he also loved big trucks and motorcycles. And I thought, this is what I want to do. And and after all those years of going off to watch uh, races with him, I I thought, yeah, I don't just want to watch. Watching is great, but you need to do it. You really need to do it to to enjoy it. Uh, and um, I still wish which I was doing it. It's just one of those things that you can continue to do. And I find that you know I do. I still work at a lot of SCCA races, but the vintage uh, events tend to bring in people, uh, drivers and competitors who are a little older. So they're finding a way to continue their passion uh, for motorsports at a somewhat reduced level. Maybe they don't want to drive a super. Powerful car anymore. They just want to go out and run around and and compete against their friends. And I think vintage car racing uh, offers them a you know an opportunity to compete, but at a not ten tenths level, maybe eight or or nine tenths level. And uh, and I I love the the fact that you can continue to be involved in this uh, sport uh, without uh, risking life and limb or or your bank account for that matter. <laughs> yeah, bank account. I
0: did vintage racing for twelve years. It did affect my bank account, that's for sure. But you're right. There's all different levels you can run in, anything from the uh, lemons level competing with very inexpensive cars all the way up to historic Formula One up in the nosebleed section of the seats. So, but you're right. I ran for a long time and I saw a lot of people in a very broad age range, including people that were, uh, you think, wow, you're still racing, but yeah, you can do it all different levels. So very fun stuff. Well, Ted, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the many roads you've driven and talk about a huge challenge or even a big failure that you may have faced along the way, or talk about some of the huge challenges you faced with putting on these kinds of events. But the most important part of this is how did you overcome that? So tell us what that was. Take us down that path, but tell us what it taught you.
1: You had asked about a, a great challenge or a great failure. And and uh, I guess my great racing failure was uh, was to go out one weekend at uh, what was at the time my local racetrack, which is Nelson Ledges uh, in Eastern Ohio, wonderful road course that uh, thankfully is now under new ownership and maybe we will be able to race again on in the near future. But uh, So that was my home track, and I'd won a bunch of races out there. I'd taken a driver's school there, and um, I'd entered a national race nearby at Summit Point, West Virginia. The race was canceled or postponed, so I thought, okay, I'll run this regional SCCA event just to keep going. Wouldn't you know, in, uh, in a qualifying session uh, back in the carousel where the pavement was breaking up, Rolled the car, ended oh. up upside down in a swamp that was uh, right next to the the road. And oh suddenly, gosh. suddenly, you know, this self image of me as this unbelievably fast, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dominant race driver that other younger drivers were looking at and saying, "I wish I could drive as well as he can." Now I'm, I'm hanging upside down from my seatbelts. Yeah, in a in a swamp with alligators coming your way. So, but uh, I did come back and manage to fix the car. the The difficulty there for me in particular was that I was racing in a SC, what was uh, then called a showroom stock uh, category, mm-hmm. and my car was the car that I drove to work. It was my daily driver. Oh my uh, gosh! On the weekend, wow! I'd put numbers on it, and yeah, I had a roll bar, you know, and all that stuff in it, and yeah. window net and all that stuff. But I'd take all the racing stuff out, and it was my go to work uh, and go to the grocery store car. So wow, cool. for Several several months, it was in the body shop, and I finally got it back, and I did a little bit more racing. Uh, with it. Uh, and then, you know, that that was pretty much that for for my racing career. But um, it just reminded me that, uh, you know, when you want to do something like this, that is a little bit risky, you have to be willing to accept, uh, the, you know, whatever happens, something could go wrong. Mm-hmm. And uh, you you could have put something important at risk, but you can always come back and, and still continue to in, enjoy the sport. Yeah, absolutely. Those things humble you a little bit, don't they? I was also thinking about the early days of, of, you know, because I'm in my 70s, so I had, uh, you know, cars back in in uh, in the 60s, mm-hmm. and, and uh, one of my earliest cars uh, was a, a little Fiat uh, 600. Uh, that didn't run very well, and after a while, lost uh, reverse gear. And I remember going to my girlfriend's house and parking in her driveway and. Not being able to back up but to get, it, <laughs> to
0: get it. I think that was
1: a trick for you could tell her that there's no way for you to leave. I think that's what was really going on. But in those days, you know, we had uh, those of us who loved what we called at the time foreign cars mm-hmm. uh, would always carry a big toolkit around in the back because the cars were unbelievably unreliable. And my poor dad had to come out and and tow my car home one time. I had a TR4, and the engine, uh, you know, ran out of oil or something, and so. I feel so, uh, so grateful these days that our cars are, you know, relatively well built and reliable and uh, not like those early days when owning uh, an interesting car was a real daily challenge.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think we're incredibly spoiled these days. Cars today can just go and go and go with very little maintenance and some of them. The way people abuse their daily drivers, then they just keep running. So the reliability is absolutely spectacular compared to those old cars. I've been there, absolutely. done that. I understand. Well, let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a career aha moment, or maybe it relates to the Pittsburgh Vintage Grand Prix. But what was
1: your aha moment all about? I think that uh – uh As regards the Pittsburgh Vintage Grand Prix, it's the uh, uh, amazing uh, things that you can do when you have a a good reason to do them. And I mentioned the good reason because the Pittsburgh Vintage Grand Prix was set up really to do two things. One is to share our enthusiasm for cars and and car-related things, vintage car uh, racing and, and shows and so on. But it really works because... These 1,000 volunteers you mentioned are in it to help support these two great charities that this event uh, benefits. We hold a lot of events that are free to the public, uh, but through the 34 years so far of this event, we've given almost $5 million to the Autism Society of Pittsburgh and the Allegheny Valley School. Those are two charities that do Incredible work for local individuals with autism and intellectual disabilities. And and so when you have a a real higher purpose in mind, when you know that it's not just about me having fun here, but also doing something for a population that needs our help and will appreciate the assistance that we can provide, it really means you can move mountains uh, because it gives you a reason to keep moving forward, to try a little harder, to push a little bit more you know to spend an extra hour or make another phone call or do whatever it is that needs to be done and so i think that's one of the reasons that this event uh has worked so well and continues into its 35th year. Those great volunteers and the higher purpose of supporting the Autism Society and, and the Allegheny Valley School, two wonderful institutions. And I don't think we would have had the support of the city of Pittsburgh and the Parks Department if it hadn't been for those two great charities.
0: Wow. Well, kudos to you and your team and everyone involved for helping those great organizations out. I love it. I love it. Well, let's let's talk about a proudest career or business moment or Pittsburgh Vintage Graham Pre moment, I would assume you've
1: had many, but is there one that stands out for you? Well, I, I yeah, I've I've had a few, and uh, I mean, I I played in a in a bluegrass band on stage with the Pittsburgh Symphony Orchestra at one point. Uh, how's that? Yeah, that's <laughs> but, very cool. But, uh, what do you play? Well, I, I played for many years. I played guitar, and then later on uh, bass, and in uh-huh. a variety of of uh, band bluegrass bands and rock and roll bands, and and nice. And the, just just you know as a it's a hobby thing, uh-huh. so I did that, that on stage at one point with the Pittsburgh Symphony Orchestra. This is while I was at the time uh, the afternoon host of a classical music station on pittsburgh's classical uh, classical music station um yeah so so I would play Bach you know and Beethoven and Mozart during the day and then go out and play Bill Monroe <laughs> yeah. and uh, flatrugs <laughs> yeah at, at night, which is a lot of fun, but you know, I don't know uh. A very special moment. Uh, there have been there have been lots, but I, I think being involved in this event it was wonderful. I uh, you mentioned in my introduction that I won a couple of minor SCCA road racing championships. Those were those will always stay in my mind. I remember getting uh, the trophy and a bottle of champagne at Pocono Raceway after having won my class in uh, what was called at the time Nordic the Northeast Division Road Racing Championship race mm-hmm. in October a race weekend when we had to scrape snow off the cars <laughs> oh my <more> gosh <laughs> before we went out <laughs> wow. to race uh so that i mean that's that was a a minor thing in many people's minds but in my mind it's it was great you know just to stand up there with, uh, with the with the second and third place folks and you know be the winner uh, at a championship event at a big venue like that. It just feels so great. And it just reminds me that you don't need a huge thing to make you feel good. Yeah. Sometimes life's, you know, little victories uh, life's little championships are enough to keep, you know, to keep the spirit high.
0: Up there with a bottle of champagne for your Dan Gurney moment. So, very, very cool <laughs> man of many talents you are, Ted. Well, let's have a little bit of fun and go back in time again and I would love for you to talk about that first really special car that you got and maybe share a memory about that vehicle.
1: I uh was a uh, uh, as I mentioned uh, a real car nut and uh in uh when was it uh, would have been Wow. I guess the third car I ever bought, and it was my first sports car. Mm -hmm. I'd had a a Ford station wagon that I bought from my parents. But when I went out to buy my first sports car, uh, there was a little shop nearby that had a a 1960 Alfa Giulietta for what was an incredible amount of money at the time, I thought. I think I spent $750 (laughs) or something on this car. Sure, And uh, loved the car. Absolutely loved the car. Drove it all over the place. I got drafted into the Army. I was in the Army uh, in Washington, D.C. during the Vietnam War and uh, drove it out to Indiana for basic uh, training and down to uh, D.C. And it was my daily car. And, you know, I look at those cars now. Restored ones are selling for uh, six figures. Yeah. And mine was a daily driver that began to rust away. And I was a lowly enlisted man in the Army with no money to spend on the car. A wonderful car. and, And I've always been partial to... Alfa Romeos ever since. And every time I see one of these vintage racing, what you frequently do, the, the beautiful uh, 1300cc Julieta Spider in red, of course. Yes. I, I just drool over them. And, and sometimes I still dream... That I go back to my parents house, open the garage door and the Alpha is sitting
0: there. <laughs> still there. The Juliet is such a beautiful car. In fact, I'm sitting here in a sweatshirt today that has Alfa Romeo on the front. So you'd be very happy about that. All right. Yeah. And I understand the Alfa Romeo is one of the featured marks at uh, one of the many events, the Italian event that happens at the, uh, uh Pittsburgh Vintage Grand Prix. So yeah, Alphas are just, uh, yeah, special. Special, cool cars. Well, how about a car that you've let go that you wish you had back? Is there a seller's remorse story in your life?
1: Well, that, that that's certainly one. I always wish that I'd had uh, the money uh, and the wherewithal that I hadn't been in the Army, for instance, at the time uh, when I had to let, let that car go. Uh, but the one that replaced it was another one I would love to have today, which was a 64 TR4 Ooh. Uh, that uh, just a, a terrific car and the wonderful contrast between the, you know, the Giulietta and the TR4. The Giulietta has got this high strung, small, you know, twin cam motor and the um, TR4 famously had this tractor derived, you know, four cylinder <laughs> yeah. engine yeah. with lots of grunt. Relatively unsophisticated car, but uh, a terrific car as well. But I mentioned earlier, you know, that how lucky we are today to have cars that don't just rust rust away when you uh, when you turn away. And both of those cars that I had, the Alpha and the and the TR4, both had rust problems. And of both course. of them I had to let go because I really didn't have the money to do what needed to be done.
0: Oh, when I was in high school, I wanted to buy a TR4 so bad. There was a neighbor that had one for sale and my, uh, good friend ended up buying it and I dodged a huge bullet because a month later the engine completely grenaded on him. So I, uh, I got lucky with that one, but yeah, they're beautiful little cars for sure. Well, let's talk about today and what's coming up here in about a week or so is the Pittsburgh Vintage Grand Prix. What has you really excited and fired up about the event and the many events this year?
1: Well, I just picked up, uh, uh, a- An older uh, BMW that uh, my son and I are going to run in the very first event of the Pittsburgh Vintage Grand Prix this year, which is the kickoff rally, which is kind of a a gimmick rally, uh, a a, a time speed distance Mm -hmm. plus gimmick rally that's held on uh, July 2nd. So we're going to go off and do that. And uh, then, of course, we have two weekends of races. Those things I really look forward to. Uh, We're at a local racetrack. There's a wonderful uh, road racing facility about 40 miles west of Pittsburgh called the Pittsburgh International Race Complex. We call it Pit Race. And uh, so we done. We were able to run some fast cars out there on a real race course. And this year, with Camaro, the mark of the year, we hope to get a whole bunch of uh, Trans Am-type uh, cars oh, to run yeah. in, a, in a V8 uh, race out there. So that weekend's uh, great fun. And, of course, uh, when we end up at Shenley Park the following weekend uh, in Pittsburgh, that the scene there is just incredible. It's just because the... Uh, as i mentioned the the race course is created out of the park access road so you have got curbs and trees and, <laughs> and light poles mm. and uh and stone walls and so and hay bales so when you take a picture you know of a 1950s car going by uh, with a stone wall and a hay bale there, it looks as though the picture could have been taken 50 years ago oh, yeah. it it's such an incredible scene And then up on the golf course, which is right next to the racetrack area, 1,000 cars on display. You mentioned the Cortile, the Italian car show. But this year, we're going to have a mess of, uh, of Camaros. Chevrolet is celebrating the 50th anniversary of the Camaro. We'll have Camaro number one and a whole bunch of Camaros on display. So Studebaker is a spotlight car this year. There's a vintage bike show. Uh, the Porsche Club has a huge display the b m w club i mean it just it's, it 's it 's more than yeah <laughs> it 's more than you can take in it really is and and uh, uh i 'm involved in the event obviously and i 'm busy and i don 't get to see a lot of this stuff so one of these years, maybe if I can find someone else to turn my announcing duties over to i 'll be able to enjoy every <laughs> everything, <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but I just uh, look forward to to the whole event just the the feel of the event, you know, the the coming together of the city and the volunteers and the charity and all these car nuts, uh, it just makes for uh, a very special time. I w- always tell people, if I have the opportunity, this is my favorite event of the entire year and my favorite week or two of the entire year. when. We gather together and do these things uh, for the Pittsburgh Vintage Grand Prix. It is truly magical.
0: Oh, man. It's just absolutely incredible. So it sounds like you're going to have a ton of fun. Well, here's a very introspective question for you, Ted. If you were a car, what kind of car would Ted be and why?
1: Well, I would probably be something small, uh, small and fast, like a, a Turner, Oh, How about a Turner? Wow, you're yeah, the f-
0: gen- first Turner Or a Genetta? Oh, oh, a Genetta. I oh, love the little Genettas. Yeah,
1: great little cars. Something. Yeah, I like things that are uh, a little modest, so that you tend to think, "Ah, there's not much there," and then. But then they turn out to be much more than they seem. That's uh, that's the kind of car I think I'd be.
0: Yeah, I love those little Janettas. There were several guys racing those back with the Sovereign Group here, who I ran with, and fun little cars. are just, li- but they are little tiny cars. I mean, you walk up to them, and go, "Wow, this is a small little tiny car," but they're they're just beautiful. But a pretty, very a pretty thing. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very much so. Well, Ted, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's cars. yaw yeah sponsors. Everyone who knows me knows I'm really picky when it comes to my cars and keeping them looking new. I'm a huge fan of Covercraft floor mats. I've protected my vehicle with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft floor mats. They will protect your vehicle's factory carpets from daily abuse, weather, pets, children, weekend adventures, and those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and stylish way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft floor mats come in a wide variety of styles, materials, and configurations, all designed for maximum protection. In addition to Premier plush and Berber custom floor mats, you'll also find cargo liners, canine cargo area liners, dash covers, and sunscreens. Enhance your vehicle's looks while protecting the factory finishes with easy-to-install and easy-to-clean floor mats. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them market Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments and he's a car guy too call 253-722-PLAN or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders or 12 or 16 securities through money concepts capital corp member finra sipic are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe i can help this is mark green here at cars yeah and i'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way five days a week thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the cars yeah podcast and website contact me today and i'll show you how at mark at dot or connect with me through the cars yeah website at dot Okay, Ted, we are back and we're entering the last lap. You're a racer. You know what that means. The white flag's out. Time for us to put our foot into it. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Oh, just keep going. You know, put the pedal down and uh, you can go a little faster. Absolutely. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your successes over the years?
1: Uh, just, uh, I think, uh, believe in yourself. I think, uh, you know, reach down a little deeper and, uh, push a little harder. Uh, there's always more inside that you can share with others. Absolutely. Now, how about a resource? There are some great resources out there, but, uh,
0: maybe one or two you'd like to share with our listeners?
1: Well, I'm a longtime member of the Sports Car Club of America, SCCA, and, and uh, it took me a long time to join because I didn't really know what they did or what they would do for me. But I've been a member since 1981, I think, at this point. And uh, it's been a lifesaver to me. I mean, uh, the people there, the things that they do, the training that they offer, the events that they put on, the expertise among the people who belong, uh, and it is a belonging thing. Uh, It's not a click, you know, it's a bunch of people just like us who who share and and love the sport. I I just love being a part of it, and I know that if I have a question or a problem or a challenge, I can always turn to a buddy in SECA glad I joined.
0: Yeah, I've been a member since the 80s as well, and uh, their president, Lisa Noble, has been a guest here on Cars. Yeah, wonderful organization, great place to go find all sorts of help and guidance and friendship and events. Uh, It just goes on and on, the SCCA. Now, if you could have a drink with anyone in the automotive field, living or
1: deceased, who would that be? Oh, Dan Gurney. I'd have to put Dan (laughs) Gurney at the top of the list. I mean, a lot of great racers, but just think of what he's done in his career, and he's just such a wonderful man. I mean, I've never met him, so I can't really speak to him, but my sense is that uh, he's a genuine, warm, smart American, and uh, I, just, I love the idea of Dan Gurney, and I'd love to spend five minutes with him, if not an hour.
0: I'd love to have him be a guest on this show. I know age is creeping up on on Dan, but I have had the pleasure of meeting him and talking to him many times. He is a genuine guy. He is the guy, and uh, he's helped me with a few things where I've, had some wonderful artwork done for friends who owned cars that he raced. And I've sent the artwork and he signed it for me. I met him when he uh, launched his last book uh, at the Quail event and got to spend a few moments talking with him. So, yeah, he's a real American
1: hero. I don't know whether you were watching the 24 Hours of Le Mans coverage on uh, TV, but I was. And there was uh, a mention of the historic weekend he spent uh, winning uh, Le Mans with uh, A.J. Foyt and the next weekend going off and winning a Grand Prix in his own car. Yes. I mean, no one will ever do that. Uh, That's just amazing. Yeah, he's an incredible guy.
0: Well, now, how about a book? Is there a book you've read that you'd like to share with the Cars listeners?
1: I would love to tell you about this book. Uh, it's called Making Money is Killing Your Business, which is a title I love. <laughs> how to Build a Business You'll Love and Have a Life Too. It was written by a guy named Chuck Blakeman, who I think lives in uh, in Colorado. And I'm holding the book in my hand. It's uh, it's really interesting. Um, I'm not a business person. I've never owned a business. But uh, I read this book very closely, and it's it's a fascinating look at how businesses work. And also the kind of mindset that a successful businessman should have. In other words, it's not about making money. It's about making a good business. Mm. But I want to mention the book, Making Money is Killing Your Business, because I, re- <laughs> I read the audio version of that, which is uh, actually uh, available, I think, from one of those audio book places. And uh, it was, I think, business book of the year, like 2012 or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's it's the only business book I ever read every single word of it because I had to read every single word of it on tape. I am the voice of Chuck Blakeman uh, <laughs> okay cool and the book called making money is killing your business awesome well great book that's the first time that book has been
0: referred here but now i'm gonna have to get it and listen to you now that i know you that'd be uh, hey i know that guy i know that guy so <laughs> yeah very good well listeners you can find links to all these great resources ted has shared on his show notes page at dot com slash ted sawyer ted's last name is spelled s-o-h i e r and you can also find this book and books recommended by the past 803 guests here on cars yeah there's a great place on the website called resources guest recommended books where i've made it really easy for you to go and click and buy so get your hands on this book or uh, check out any of the great books that my past guests have recommended because they are all fantastic and so are my guests So, Ted, this last question can be a real doozy. We're up to the checkered flag. If you could have only one very cool collector car, in your case, I'll include a vintage race car in your garage. But money's no object today. I'm buying whatever you'd like. What would that be and why?
1: Yeah, I uh, thought uh, long and hard about that. And that's very difficult to choose a car. um, But... uh, I think I'd go back to the 1930s uh, when cars were so beautiful. Well, beautiful cars were so beautiful anyway. And go to the Alfa Romeos and look for something like a 6C 2900 or something like that. Uh, those cars, when you see them, they just take, well, I should speak in the first person. They take my breath away. They're fast. They're sophisticated. They're beautiful. Today, they're pretty much unaffordable <laughs> yes just, yes if you had one in your garage you'd just go down and look at it you wouldn't even have to drive it just uh just being near one i think would make you feel good
0: oh man yeah the six c's the eight c's i mean that those early alphas were just works of art so you pick something very very special so i will get to work and see what i can find for you out there thank you
1: i'd appreciate that thank yeah you. i'm gonna have to
0: get my big big uh Golfer's Checkbook Out, one of those that they give those golfers that won those big championships, the big ones with lots and lots of zeros. You picked a very nice car, very special car. They just are wonderful, wonderful. Well, Ted, you've taken me on an awesome ride today. I knew you would and I've really enjoyed getting to know you better and learning a little bit more about your perspective on the Pittsburgh Vintage Grand Prix. I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey with the Cars Y'all listeners and with me. Would you offer us one parting piece of guidance before you rip off into the sunset and that Alfa Romeo 6C 2900. Just uh, keep the pedal to the metal and um, and stay alert. Absolutely, please. Because uh, Ted's out there on his motorcycle, so keep your head up and your eyes off your smartphone, please. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you or learn about the Pittsburgh Vintage
1: Grand Prix? Well, you can go to the website, wonderful website. It's uh, You can either type in, if you like, all the letters, pittsburghvintagegrandprix.org. I like, uh, it's simpler, pvgp.org.
0: Absolutely. And this website, I'll let our listeners know there's over 400 pages. You can get lost in this. So, uh, open your browser up one evening with a nice glass of wine or whatever you like to drink and take a walk through this website and learn more about all the different events. And if you're fortunate enough to be in the Pittsburgh area coming up here in July, you've got to attend if not all, at least a couple of these events, because it is absolutely spectacular, overwhelming. Oh, my gosh. And I hope you can come and join us. i would love to have you sometime. Well, I would love to do that. Man, it sounds like Car Week in Monterey, Pebble Beach, but back there in Pittsburgh. So that sounds like a plan to put into my book for sure. Excellent. Listeners, again, you can find links to everything Ted has shared, again, on his show notes page at CarsYet.com. Just type Ted in the search bar, or Ted Sawyer, S-O-H-I-E-R, in that search bar. And if you're at the Pittsburgh Vintage Grand Prix, walk up to Ted and say, hey, I heard you on cars. Yeah. Ted, thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you at the Pittsburgh Vintage Grand Prix. Thank you. You're welcome. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garages built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage.